Hey everybody, it's Steve Leone here, editor of the Concord Monitor. I'm here with colonist Ray Duckler and photo editor Jeff Forrester, and this is the New Hampshire Backstory. It's a podcast where Ray and Jeff tell you about all their findings on the reporting trail, detailing interesting, curious, unknown stories throughout New Hampshire. And today, We're going to take you into a story out of Gilmington, New Hampshire, that's been kind of brewing for for many, many decades now, and that is the story of a a man named Herman Mudgett who grew up in town and eventually became the notorious H.H. Holmes, the vaunted serial killer in Chicago. The question is whether or not H.H. Holmes was, in fact, Jack the Ripper who we all know about. So, Jeff and Ray are gonna tell us about this story in deeper reporting, and this is really just kind of following along uh, what they've learned along the way thus far. So, with that, guys, tell me tell me about young young Herman Mudgett. Give me a, a time frame. What, what, what years are we talking about here? Uh, I'll start, uh, Steve. Um, Herman Mudgett was born in 1861 and in Gilmanton. And after high school in Gilmanton, he moved to, uh, he moved around a little bit, but he ended up settling in Chicago, where he took the name Dr. H.H. H. Holmes. He did have a medical degree. Okay. And then the, the nuts and bolts of the story is the speculation that sometime while living in Chicago, where he was a serial killer, he managed to slip away to London during the time that the Ripper was killing prostitutes in a very, very seedy area of London. And that's the, the gist of the story. Are the Ripper and Holmes slash Mudgett, one and the same. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so this is certainly a, a mysterious tale, but... So what was what was young Herman Mudgett like? I mean, was he did he leave kind of a trail within Gilmanton of of questionable uh, questionable behavior as a youth? Well, according to the uh, historical society, President John Dickey and, and Pat Clark, he had sort of an unremarkable childhood. And just to be clear. He grew up right in the four corners of Gilmington. There's, there's actually two parts of, of Gilmington. There's the, the, the four corners, and then about seven miles away, there's the ironworks. But he was right downtown. His house is right on 107. You can, you can see it. And um, did he go to the academy? Did he yes, right across the street. He went to, uh, across the, the academy, mm-hmm. which burned later on and they've resurrected it. And he went to the, the church and he went to a schoolhouse that was about, what, half a mile down the, the road? Very close. And uh, just had a very unremarkable childhood. So, Ray, I mean, was he, was he kind of forgotten in town? Well, that's funny you ask, see, because there are people who say it was unremarkable, but there are others who claim he killed animals, and uh, he was responsible for two murders that nobody can prove that he did it, but there was a, 
a young girl who was found drowned near his house and a, and a friend of his, supposedly, who was also found murdered. Very sketchy information so, on it, but some believe he was responsible and some say, hey, there's no proof. Some some believed at the time that he was responsible? Or, some believe or now. As they're kind of putting, putting two to two Some together. people believe now, including a, uh, a member of the Belknap County Sheriff's Department, from his longtime experience, he says if you put the pieces together, it's certainly possible that he killed those two people. Right. And Exhibit A is you have a known serial killer having had lived in your town. Lived there. The bodies were found. Now I don't have. I didn't find documentation that these people were even killed, but one of them was named Mary Mudgett, and I was told that was her, her, uh, his cousin. Okay. But my research told me that it was his sister. So, again, it's very foggy. It's 170 years ago, so... But it sounds like this girl was related to him in some way, and it sounds like she was found drowned. Okay. There was also another rumor of when he was a schoolboy, and on his way to school, he was commandeered by older schoolmates and pick up the story, Ray, at the, at the doctor's house. Uh, he was walking to school, his grade school, which is now a cabinet-making place. But he was walking to school, and supposedly these bullies grabbed him, forced him into a nearby doctor's office where, they, where there was a skeleton hanging as part of the doctor's work, I guess. And that set young Herman on the path of serial killer. They locked him in with a skeleton, and yeah. people said, you know, that had a lifelong yeah. impression on Totally him. unconfirmed. Yeah, and yeah. any idea where that, where that story even originated? It was brought up by the uh, historical uh, yeah. president and vice president, so it's, it's not like a wild rumor in town. I mean, it's, yeah. there's some documentation that it happened. Okay, so we'll we'll come back to to Gilmanton, but you know, for the time being, take us to Chicago in this H. H. Holmes character, uh, which which we know was budget, right? There's no question in that. Yes, right. Herman budget was H. H. Holmes. Was Doctor H. H. Holmes. He moved to Chicago. He made a lot of money through insurance scams. He uh, he um, owned a. Uh, a hotel there, and uh, he was a doctor, a uh, pharmacist, and um, but mainly through insurance. He would scam women out of their insurance policies somehow. He would... Uh, Older women. Um, and then uh, what happened was he bought some land and he, bu- and he bought a hotel near the what was then the World's Fair in 1893, and he would okay. lure these single women to the hotel uh, so that they could stay the night and have easy access to the World's Fair. And then he would work his madness of pumping in toxic gas into the room and they would, they would pass out and die. Then he would throw them down a hidden chute to perform experiments on them down in the basement. There was a rack down there. There was a, a vat of uh, acid or something to dissolve the skin. He would sell cadavers to medical schools. He made a lot of money that way, but no one knew where they bones were coming from, but they were his murder victims. So there's some speculation he killed, he admitted to 27 murders later on, but it was found that some of those people who he claimed he murdered were still alive. So he was a liar, he was a con man, some people thought it was about nine, some people said it was a couple of hundred. There's no documentation to how many people they actually killed, but the people in town, the historians, when you mention that he killed maybe up to a couple of hundred, 
The historians will say that's overblown, that's sensationalized. People are making a bigger deal out of this than they should. And that's what the historians will say. But we don't have a number of how many people mm -hmm. he killed, but he is known as America's first serial killer. So take us back to, I guess, the arrest and, and the developing news story in Chicago at that time. Was, was this big front page news, or is this, again, something that, that maybe nationally flew under the radar? It was big news. The, the, media, the media, the newspapers back then were, were very sensationalistic, as they can be today, but that was the only source of news, obviously, so that made it into a bigger deal. Everybody got their news through newspapers, no TV, no internet, obviously. And so when this guy was caught and pinned with multiple murders in evil, hideous ways with his basement at that hotel, it was an amazing story, and it was giant headlines all over the country, actually, and really, really, the Chicago uh, Tribune, it was, uh, they couldn't get enough of it. It was very big, and when he was uh, hanged for his, uh, so some of the later crimes, that was also a, a big deal, his execution. So, I guess at the time, did they, was this correlation between H.H. Holmes and Herman Mudgett known when he was arrested, or did that even come years later? That's a good question. <laughs> I believe it came years later. Certainly the connection with the Ripper came years later, but the connection with Holmes and Gilmanton's Mudgett also came later, but I'm not quite sure when that was pieced together, to be honest with you. Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, this is, I think, probably part of the story, is that there's just lots of dead ends in many places. It's yes, just, including down in that basement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it set you up for that one, Rick. Um, okay, so... The case that he was Jack the Ripper. What, wh who's making this case? When and when was this case originally made? I mean, I, like when was when was this link put together? Uh, his great great grandson Jeff Mudgett began doing research on this, and he was able to prove uh, through family tree, internet work, and um, I guess things like that that his great grand great great grandfather was actually H. H. Holmes. Um, or maybe he knew that before, I'm sorry. He was able to, he began speculating that Mudgett slash Holmes was Jack the Ripper. And then he wrote a book about it, and he's since done a TED Talk about it. And there's been a couple of documentaries that have been made about it very recently, in the last year or two, where he was really the main source and the main uh, narrator and commentator. And um, so uh, there are people who think he's just doing this for a buck, and uh, there are people who believe him because his evidence, he's very articulate, he's an educated man, he presents his case quite well. And to go back to the historical society president and vice president, that they're not believers. They, they, they don't think that there's the enough yeah. evidence, hard evidence. They're both engineers, they're fascinating, articulate guys, and they it's show me the money, you know. That yeah. there's, you know, there's, a, there's no right. train ticket. There, there's no hotel bill that he was in London. There's no passageway from New York. I mean, that's what they want. They so want the evidence that he was there in 1888. Sure. So what, what has it? What evidence is the family member relying on? Like, what, what's, is it the, the motive or the style of killing? What's, what's tying these together? Well, he mentions that uh, there's no evidence that the good doctor was in Chicago 
1888, that he was he was missing. He so wasn't there. So you're so somewhere. It's, tr it's like trying to prove a negative, that if he yep. wasn't there, he could have been in London. That was one of the, that was a big part of it. There was also, there was also talk that they had some kind of passenger manifest that showed an H. Holmes had been over in London during the time of the Ripper murders. But like Jeff said, they sta he stated that they had seen it, and uh, he had a former FBI agent stating that she had seen it. But I, I couldn't find it. I couldn't find a document that showed it. And uh, I, I, I was confused about that. I, I don't know if there's actually documentation that he took a cruise to London at the time, the, uh, just before the Ripper murders were taking place. I couldn't find it. They said it existed. That would be the best piece of evidence I think you could find, but I, I wasn't able to find it, and I, I think they might have just claimed that instead of showed it. So that was maybe a little sketchy. So how about how about the victims here in in London? Of course, it was known to be you know prostitutes. Is that that doesn't sound like that was the case in Chicago? So who are the who are these, <coughs> these you know right. whatever the number is. Uh, you know, right. Who were they? They, they were, yes, they were not prostitutes. They, they the, his, the the historical society uh, leaders think that that's a big part that shows it. They weren't the same person because um, the people, the women in London, seemed to be just random streetwalkers who were uh, attacked and uh, their throats were slit. While the people, the women in uh, Chicago, were it was more methodically planned out. He um, just. Uh, invited them in to his hotel t for uh, room and board for the night while they were visiting the uh, World's Fair. And then from there, it was done with gas and the dissolving of the skin. So the historical society, uh, uh, president and vice president, said that just the MO wasn't the same. And they, they thought that was very telling to show that they weren't the same people. But I mean, of course, that makes sense. But again, Adding to the mystery, it doesn't prove anything, though. Doesn't prove anything. I mean, he had a a site in Chicago that he could set up the gas, right? Yes. Where he wouldn't be able to do that in London. So I, right. I guess that's true. That was the hotel he owned, yeah. and it was the victims were, were coming to the World's Fair. That's what it drew them because the, his uh, building was very close mm -hmm. to that World's Fair, so that he was drawing these victims. It was all very methodical. There's all, there are other things. I mean, uh, Jeff Mudgett, the great-great-grandson, in his TED Talk and documentaries, uh, mentions uh, handwriting analysis. He mentions somehow Scotland Yard got a description of the Ripper because he claimed there were witnesses, although I, that some people claim there were no witnesses, but that five foot seven, 150 pounds, a certain age, all matched uh, Herman Mudgett. Uh, artists sketching, uh, again, they used uh, computer-generating images of what the Ripper supposedly looked like and what um, Holmes looked like, and, the, you know, there's a similarity. They both had a mustache. Take that, take, <laughs> take that for what it's worth. The, uh, because of how he killed the prostitutes, speculation he was a surgeon, and Holmes did have his medical degree, so... You piece that stuff together, and if you're the great-great-grandson and you want to write a book about it, you, you write a book about it. And the people in Gilmanton, some uh, really uh, think he's wrong, but there are people who think that he might be right. 
in, in the town. What in the town, yeah. Yeah. Did you talk to any of those folks? Well, Jeff Jeff spoke to a, 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 a Jeannie uh, Gallant. Jean Gallant. And, and Ray did a, a long interview with her, and then I went up and... Yours was longer, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> she has the gift of gab. Um, she lives on a farm, and uh, she's absolutely convinced. There, there's no doubt in her mind that this is the same man. Um, uh, she's very interesting. And, Ray, you talked to her for, what, an hour on the phone? Uh, yep, yeah, it could have been a lot longer, but I, you know, had to go. And, um, yep, she's convinced that those two people in town, the young girl and the friend, were convinced that those stories about them being murdered are true, and she's convinced that it's too much of a coincidence for it not to be. Mudget. Um, she ha- she met the great-great-grandson, Jeff Mudgett, several times for those documentaries, and he managed to convince her face-to-face. She cited the handwriting. She cited the uh, boat, the ship to London, which, of course, he was in London, I believe, but there's no proof that he was there at the overlapping time with the murders. But she is uh, she's completely convinced that it's, that it's true. So you, you went and found the person actually living in the house where he was born and raised. Yes. Uh, I stumbled onto a couple of... Well, one person I called was the... Um, is the cemetery trustee. And I called her because she had uh, allowed uh, documentarians into the cemetery where his family's buried as long as they only went in at night. Because it's only, I mean, as long as they only went in during the day, because it's not open at night. Okay. And then there were paranormal experts, so to speak, who wanted to go in there at, at night and contact spirits or what have you. And she did not let them in because it's closed at night. But uh, as it, it turns out, she lived there up until age 14, this, this cemetery trustee. And uh, she said she didn't know anything about it until after she had moved out. When she got older, she started reading about it. And then, of course, her babysitter said, oh, my God, I babysat you in that place. And, you know, she was terrified. And, but that all came out later after she moved out. And then I did meet the people who live there now. They had bought it six years ago. Did they, did they know the history when they bought it? Yes, they did know the history when they bought it. I was told they were very private and didn't want to talk about it and really shied away from the media, but they, I gave it a shot and they did talk to me. The wife was very, very uh, polite and helpful. And she said that when the uh, real estate agent showed her the house, the real estate agent would not go in because she was so terrified. And so... Um, She'd go to the porch, but she, she went to the porch, she but would wouldn't not go, go in. in. <laughs> and Prudy went in, and then went Prudy Vesey, their name. She went back later on and stood on the porch at night just to see if she uh, felt anything spooky. But she said everything was calm. Um, so, but the media, the media uh, attention uh, that the house got—it's right on 107, as Jeff said. Got a little white picket fence out front, very nice. And um, uh, Prudy said that when stories about the house came out, she would notice people out front may, uh, pretending, she figures, that they were looking at the, uh, the church and the old school across the street. And then as soon as they were outside, as soon as they'd turn their backs, these people would wheel around and, and start taking pictures of, of their house. 
which was kind of comical, but kind of an invasion of privacy. But that was just one story that was really showed you that people wanted to see the house and they wanted to document it once they read these stories. And also, there is a movie supposedly coming out about H.H. Holmes. And uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is, has been signed for the movie, from what I can find out. And Prudy Vesey says that if... if uh, she hasn't let anybody into the house to look around, any media people. But she said um, if, uh, if Leonardo is thinking of playing H.H. H. Holmes... Um, he can stay as long as he wants. Okay. So we'll consider that a shout out to Leo. Leo Leonardo DiCaprio is welcome to the house anytime. Come to Gilmington. Okay, so we, so where does the story go from from here? I mean, this this is probably a, a dead end, right? I mean, is, is there realistically any you know way of possibly sewing up these these loose ends and and making any kind of determination one way or the other you know if they have a, a manifest of of a ship that he went <clears throat> in that time period or a hotel bill i mean that that would that would further the discussion i think okay. but it, right now it's it's sort of at an impasse because there's no solid documentation there's you know interesting theories and and whatnot. They never found Jack the Ripper, so they can't, I mean, if they could do some kind of updated DNA test between uh, Holmes and uh, the Ripper, maybe you'd find something, but they never caught Jack the Ripper, so that part's out. Um, and that was only for a certain time period. They, just a few the, months. The, the women were killed and then they stopped. And uh, but uh, Jeff Jeff Mudgett, the great great grandson, is continuing to do his research. Uh, his book is out there, and he he still promotes the idea. And, and uh, uh, people in Gilmanton, some believe it, some think it's just uh, sensationalistic nonsense. Um, I wondered if the if the people like the uh, historical society uh, president and vice president were just being defensive about uh, denying that this happened because they're, it's a black mark on the town maybe but they said no they just want the facts and they don't speculate they just go by facts and until you prove uh, bring, a, bring uh, forth a smoking gun they're going to say we don't believe it alright fair enough Well, thank you guys uh, You'll be able to read this story on ConcordMonitor.com. Uh, and until next time. Thanks. Bye.